I would venture to say that there's some of you in here that can say amen to that song. You can't live on the mountaintop and you don't want to live in the valley but the same God's in both places. The key is when you're in the valley keep your focus on the God not the valley. Really and truly not even the mountaintop but the God of the mountain and the valley. Some would say life is short. Enjoy it. Eat, drink, and be merry. I say eternity is long. Prepare for it. But I find that in today's society we in such a rush and God warns us that he says take heed lest you become entangled with the cares of life doesn't necessarily mean sin doesn't mean you don't love God but you can get caught up in things and stuff and find yourself Becoming lukewarm, not in the sense that you're contemplating turning your back on God, but you lose the joy of your salvation. You lose that peace, and you're just kind of anesthetized by life. And I want to remind you tonight it's because you have an adversary. You have an enemy. Devil. Old Slewfoot. Lucifer. Whatever the heck you want to call him. He's your enemy. And we know that he's more cunning than any beast of the field. We know that he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me throw a bulletin out here for you, saints. We don't need to walk around in fear because the boogeyman, the devil, Slewfoot, he's out there on the loose and on the prowl. We don't need to live in fear and, oh, just hope we can get by. No, sir. We need to rise up in the authority that God has given us. We need to look the devil in the eye. We need to put him in the place. And like the rodeo clown I heard say one time, he was doing his dialogue with Poole up in the announcer said, and he told the, the announcer that the devil was in his barrel, you know, he's getting ready to fight bulls. And Poole told him, he says, well, tell him to get out. He said, I've already told him that. He said, well, tell him to go home. So he says, go to hell. <laughs> now, I don't want to offend you with that kind of talk, but I want you to know the Bible is full of the word hell. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And as equally wonderful and magnificent as heaven is, you can't envision its splendor and its grandeur. Neither can you endure, uh, envision the depths of agony and pain and the reality of torture 
where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in a place called hell. And it's for the eons of time called eternity. I was preaching a funeral this afternoon and I reminded the folks that God's will is that none should perish, but that we all should pass from death unto life. He sets us free from the law of sin and death and gives us life abundant. He gives us life eternal. He gives us a life of peace. Doesn't mean that it'll be trouble free. Doesn't mean that there won't be pressures and problems and trials. It means the opposite. His word was talking to the Christian when he said that while you're in this world, you'll have tribulations. You're going to have tests. You're going to have trials. There would be some, if you're having tests and trials, that there's sin in your life. Well, I, best, I bet you they got sin in their life because they got tests and trials too. And what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments tonight is just a brief exhortation that we'll read in Matthew 26. And I'm going to start reading at verse 36 in just a moment. But to kind of set the pace for you in the preceding verses of that chapter, Judas cuts a deal to betray Jesus. Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. What's the common denominator there? Jesus. In fact, I dare say, everywhere you look in the Bible, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, if you don't see Jesus, you've missed the message. Everywhere you look in the Bible, if you don't see Jesus, you've missed the message. This book is about Him. In fact, this book can be divided into five basic messages. And it's this. The entire Old Testament talks about there's many miracles. We know the red the parting of the Red Sea and Daniel in the lion's den and all of that. But the theme of the Old Testament is the prophesying of the coming of a Messiah. He comes. Then, in the four Gospels, we see they all talk about the virgin birth of Jesus, but they spend more time vividly depicting He dies. The book of Acts Focus is, he lives. The epistles, he saves. The book of Revelations, he reigns. He who? Jesus. Let me try that down here. He who? Jesus. He is the message. There are many other messages in here, but he is the message. And it's important that we remember that and not get sidetracked by other things because as long as we can agree on who He is, 
why he's come, what he's done, and what he's going to do when he comes back, we can fellowship. We don't have to split hairs over this and that because we can agree upon Jesus. So he predicts Peter's denial and now we pick up in verse 36 where Jesus is in the garden on the night that he's betrayed. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, that's you and me, he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrow even to death. Stay here and watch with me. But he went a little farther and he fell on his face and he prayed. Now listen to this, Jesus falling on his face and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He found me and you sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away. And he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold! The hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I want to focus for just a few moments in verse 41, where he says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He did not say, Watch and pray that you're not tempted. But he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. In other words, that you don't become a partaker of that temptation. And I want you to understand that every temptation has a landing spot. Every temptation will produce a landing place. And you control where you land with that temptation. So watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Does that sound like anybody in here besides me? I believe Paul penned those words in Romans in that the very things that I want to do, I don't do. The very things I do want to do, I do not. Oh, wretched man that I am. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Here is a man that wrote roughly two-thirds of the New Testament. 
regarded other than Jesus as probably the greatest Christian to ever live. To have done more for the kingdom of God than anyone else. Yet he's confessing to us and to God. It's a battle. It's a struggle. I have to fight the good fight of faith. I have to crucify my flesh daily. I have to beat my body into subjection. These are his words, not mine. And I'm here to tell you, as I do oftentimes, you're called a Christian soldier for a reason. To fight the good fight of faith. Not to try to coast. Not to try to just deceive other people or try to hide from the devil and hope he goes away. But to fight the good fight of faith. I can hear my mother right now, literally. I've heard her so many times say, Son... You just have one more fight to fight. The fight of faith. I want you to understand that when you get in the ring and the arena of life, the adversary will show up. The opportunity to throw in the towel, quit, tuck, tail, and run will be there. As will the opportunity to stand your ground, confront your enemy, take authority and dominion over him that God has given you, armed with the word of God, filled with the power of God as the spirit that resides in you, and to take that authority and dominion. How do you do that? Not with ease, not in the flesh. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. How do we fight? We fight in the spiritual realm. We, we arm ourselves by prayer, by praying. We pull down strongholds in that time of prayer. We go into the heavenlies in our spirit, into the presence of the Lord. You know, when Jesus did the work on Calvary's hill and the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. He made it to where we don't have to have anyone to go to him on our behalf. It's nice when people do pray for us. But we can come boldly into his presence and let our needs and requests be made known unto him. And there's nothing too big, nothing too hard, nothing too difficult for the one that says all power. All power in heaven and earth is mine. Sometimes we need to be resensitized spiritually as to the magnitude and the magnificence and the power of the God that we served. I know this could become a cliche, but I don't want it to in that he's not grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's experienced every emotion that you'll ever have. He's felt physical pain. He's felt emotional pain. He's felt the loss of a loved one. He's been betrayed. He was sold by one of his dearest friends. He was, the rest of them forsook him. One of them denied even knowing him. 
He understands our feelings. He understands our frustrations. He understands our weaknesses. He understands. He didn't just wear the t-shirt. But he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands the battle that you're fighting. Why? Because he fought it too. Really? Yeah. His word says that he was tried and tempted in every way that you and I are, yet he was without sin. He's tempted and tried in every way that you are, that I am, yet he was without sin. Made that sinless, pristine blood worthy to pay the price to purchase sinful man back to holy God. To put us in right standing with Him. And then to begin a journey with us through the rest of our life. To teach us how to think like Him and act like Him and talk like Him and walk like Him and respond like Him. How to be like Him. Not just exist. Life is not futile. Life is not just existing. The life for the Christian has purpose. His word says, I have a plan for you. His plan surpasses my plan. Your plan. So anybody else's plan. The key is for me to get into his presence. Be honest with myself. Honest with him. Talk to him just like you'd talk to your dog. Man, old Everett, he's heard some stuff. That, that healer dog I had, I, I tell him everything. If he'd ever started talking back, I'd have worried. <laughs> but as you draw near to him, what does the word say? That he'll draw near to you. Don't miss that. If you'll draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. He won't keep you at a distance. He's no respecter of persons. The only thing that moves Him is honesty and an open heart. They say, hear Him out, Lord. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. That's what I want to talk about in just a second. That dictionary I got in there on my bookshelf. Watch. A keeping awake in order to guard. To be looking or waiting attentively. Here's my charge to you tonight. Don't be going through the life, your life doing 9 and not being sensitive and aware and on guard and attentive and alert and looking for those traps and those snares that the devil will put out there for you. He's a sorry sucker. He don't play fair. He'll sucker punch you in a heartbeat. Says that he's more cunning than any beast of the field. Now don't miss this. Listen with your eyes for just a minute. Look at me. He said he's more cunning than any beast of the field. That he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Key point right here. The only power the devil has 
over the Christian is the power that you will give him. He has no authority. He has no power over your life. And when you see those traps and snares and the bait dangling in front of you, the Holy Spirit that resides in you will discern it and will prick your spirit, give you a little check, a little heads up. And you need to pay attention to that because I want you to understand God's word is very clear that he's not always in the wind. He's not always in the fire. Sometimes he's in a still, small voice. That's why he gave us two ears, one mouth. We ought to listen twice as much as we talk. My wife ain't got that one down yet. But by the way, she got out of the hospital today, had her knee, other knee done yesterday, lift her up in prayers and lift me up in prayer too. But watch. Don't just pray. Praying is powerful. Uh, powerful. Praying is simply communication with God. Talking to him. The other part of communication is what? Listening. We need to let our need and request be made known? Absolutely. But then we need to listen. He'll give us direction. He'll give us wisdom beyond our own. Because he said, if any man among you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, for he's no respecter of person. I promise you, I need his wisdom far more than I need my wisdom. Now, now y'all getting vocal. <laughs> y'all can see it too, huh? <laughs> I definitely need his wisdom more than mine. So my message to you tonight basically is this. Begin to watch. Begin to watch more attentively than you ever have. As to how the devil will try to blindside you. How the devil will try to trip you up. How the devil will try to creep in. Most often it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Most often it won't be that just run over you like a Mack truck thing. It's going to be something that's going to slip up on you. You see, the perfect example of that. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted 40 days of the devil and how the devil came to him. And he quoted Jesus the word. Go read that and study it. He quoted just enough of the word to make it say what he wanted it to say. Don't get guilty of that. You need to take his word in totality and apply it appropriately. And then his word will accomplish what he has sent it to do. I say that with 100% confidence. Because he said in his word here. That the Lord watches over his word to perform it. He watches over his word to perform it. Brothers and sisters, maybe you're in the fight of your life, spiritually speaking, maybe even monetarily. But I want you to know this. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. Throughout the whole earth, 
among his people looking for someone that will let him show himself mighty and strong on their behalf. Will you let him? I understand this. Understand this. God is very good at being God if you'll let him. Do a little study on that word let. Let God arise. Let his enemy or your enemies be scattered. When we let him have his way in our life, great things happen. But we don't want to restrict him by our will. Remember what we read there a minute ago where he says, Not my will, but thine be done. Are you at that point yet? Are you still holding on to your will? Have it your way. You had a Burger King religion. Well, have it your way. I guarantee you, you can get a wrong order at Burger King. But you can't get a wrong order with the Lord. Bow your heads and I'll close.